0: The beauty of the human is we have this ability to imagine. And from the imagination, we could make things even more beautiful.
1: What is it like to travel through space and time through sound? How can we expand our imaginations past the dimensions we were taught to see and hear? Today, we ponder these questions with Malaysian theremin player and composer Ng Guan. Welcome to the One Beat Podcast. Welcome back to the One Beat Podcast. I'm Kyla Rose Smith. And I'm Elena Moonpark. This is a show about people, about musicians from all over the world and how these musicians use their music to make the world a better place.
2: In our last episode, we talked to Daniela Serna in Bogota, Colombia, about the power of femininity and the drum. Today, we'll travel across many oceans to Malaysia, where we talk to an artist who defies borders of space and time.
1: Today we're going to speak with our friend Ng Chor Guan, a self-proclaimed time traveler through sound. You can hear some of his time traveling sounds now. In this episode, we'll also hear from theremin player Rob Schwimmer and film producer Santosh Daniel to add some context for Guan's work. Guan was a fellow of our One Beat Global Exchange program in 2015, and what I really love about this conversation is that it went to some places I was not at all expecting it to. At 1B, we knew Guan as a then 34-year-old theremin player and a composer, but we also knew him as an artist who was really into technology. He created all kinds of cool multimedia works about space and the future with his artist collective back in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And this is undoubtedly my own bias, but for me, this prepared me for a certain kind of conversation about technology and music. I guess I thought we were going to talk about technological music making, like this piece he created once for hundreds of mobile phones. And we do touch on those things, but what we really ended up getting at was a lot more intriguing. The human imagination, our dreams, non-linear time. And what I love about Guan is that he is someone who is driven entirely by his curiosity, and you can really sense that when he speaks. His curiosity is really pure, but it's also full of humility, and above all, it's full of wonder, which I suppose makes sense for someone who loves to play the theremin. More on that later. So here's Guan, a 2015 One Beat Fellow based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, telling me about his first memory of falling in love with music.
0: I remember that I was sent to music school by my parents when I was three and a half years old to play all kinds of percussion instruments, basically just making noise. <laughs> <laughs> and one day when I was in kindergarten, waiting for my father to pick me up, and I hear piano is playing, like, what is that sound? And what kind of music is this? So I kind of fall in love with the sound of piano. And I told my mom that I would like to learn piano. But then learning piano without piano at home Mm. for, I think, at least four to five years. Mm -hmm. And that was the time I practiced without actually playing on the physical piano. I draw a flat drawing keyboard. (laughs) <laughs> and just imagine that always when I'm practicing.
1: Wait, so you drew an entire piano? And were you trying to play actual musical pieces on it?
0: Yeah, I not like 88 keys, but only a certain range of the key that I'm going to play on the score. I see. But because in the primary school, we have a wooden tables, and sometimes I draw on the tables and start to imagine that I'm playing the piano <laughs> by using the tip top of the nails to, to do the sound. Wow. But music has been always around me. I've been very sensitive to sound, I would say. It. Mm-hmm. I love to listen to all kinds of sound from TV. I'm not really keen on the words and the text, but to the sound, I'm very sensitive to it.
1: Mm-hmm. And you told us in an interview in 2015 that you were influenced by the sounds of cartoons when you were younger. Can you tell me more about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, because uh, I have a big family, we used to spend communal space in the living room of my grandmoms. Mm-hmm. So when I was small, after coming back from school, I spend a lot of time in the living room watching whatever TV program that the national TV broadcast. But of course, my favorite is the cartoon. I like to mimic all this sound especially when I would like to turn it louder, but my grandmoms not allowed me to do that. Or sometimes when someone is speaking on the phone, they will ask me to mute it. So (laughs) that's how I started to make the sound effects. Uh, Without noticing, I already started making some tunes somehow.
1: And do you remember the specific cartoons that you like to mimic sounds from?
0: Yeah, I think that the first one is Ultraman.
1: Mm, Yeah, Ultraman.
0: And also Thundercat, if you Mm -hmm. know Thundercat.
1: Of course.
0: Yeah. But also Transformer was quite a big one because uh, every time when they transform from vehicle to a robot, everyone has a very unique sound, depending on what kind of uh, vehicle are they. (laughs) I mean, all this sound has been very interesting somehow that it, it has its own character.
1: So how did you get from those early days of drawing pianos and mimicking sounds from cartoons to discovering a love for the theremin and becoming a composer?
0: So back in university was like long time ago, really. In a composition class, we get introduced the electronic family. Mm-hmm. And of course, tyramine will be introduced. Mm-hmm. And I always have this imagination of the instrument because I didn't get to see the real one. <laughs> so the only thing that I could imagine is like, okay, so it's something that I could float on top of these instruments without physical touch and until 15 years ago when YouTube started to introduce and mm-hmm. suddenly I saw instruments, is like a theremin and I really want to get this instrument. In fact, I attribute a full-length work to theremin a work called Space Age. So it's like a five piece of instrument and then visual projection, bringing people to space, which is also my my childhood dream that I would like to be an astronaut. Mm
1: -hmm. I've
0: never really been to the outer space, but (laughs) I could still make it come true with the instrument that I love the most as well as uh, the creation of the music.
1: Well, wow, so you wrote this piece inspired by the Theremin, but also you wanted to be an astronaut when you were growing up?
0: Yeah, yeah, Do you still? still? I, I mean, now I'm still, you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I always walk like in the moon because I cycle. Mm. I mean, I commute by bicycle. Mm-hmm. So when you have a higher gear on the bicycle, Your legs is as if like walking on the moon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So your love of cycling and your musical expression are both linked to your dream of becoming an astronaut. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why dream is very important. i always very glad that at least I have um, some dreams. (laughs) That's good. (laughs)
3: Playing theremin is like having sex with ghosts.
1: That's theremin player Rob Schwimmer. I reached out to him to learn a bit more about the theremin, this magical instrument that requires no physical touch that aligned with Guan's dream of floating like an astronaut on the moon.
3: Hi, my name's Rob Schwimmer. For our purposes today, I'm a theremin player. I've been playing since about 1995, something like that.
1: Rob has played theremin with everyone from Bobby McFerrin to Mark Morris to Paul Simon.
3: Well, let me start with what a theremin is. For the regular person, it is a box with a rod sticking up vertically and a metal loop coming out of the left side of the box. There is an oscillator which produces a tone inside, and there are two electromagnetic fields around the box so that when you move within the electromagnetic fields, it changes the pitch and the volume of the oscillator. So as say your right hand gets closer to the rod, the pitch goes up. As your left hand lifts away from the metal loop, it gets louder. It was invented about a hundred years ago. I mean it's around its hundredth anniversary right now by a Russian guy named Leon Theremin.
2: instrument is the first instrument of
3: He was a physicist and electronics whiz, and also he was a cello player. He was doing an experiment and he found out that the thing that he was messing with wound up with a tone that changed as he moved closer or further from it. You guys are probably too young, but if you had an AM radio, the position of your body to the AM radio with its antenna would change its reception. It became kind of a big thing in Russia around 1920. So, I mean, you know, when the early theremin players, you know, would play and people would see them, they'd faint because they would think they were communing with spirits. Must've been hair-raising back then when like nobody knew any explanation for it. To just see it for the first time was probably pretty scary. Russia at the time was working on popularizing electrification for the country. So Lenin, Lenin actually was taken with his use of electricity as an instrument and to inspire people to modernize Russia. So he actually held Lenin's hands and helped to play the theremin way back when. He made Lenin's into Leninade.
1: Lennon isn't the only significant historical figure Rob told us about in the shaping of the theremin. There was also the very famous early theremin player Clara Rockmore, who played a central role in shaping the instrument, and worked closely with Leon Theremin as he was developing it.
2: Well, I met Professor Theremin when he came to America to demonstrate the instrument, and uh, I was fascinated by the aesthetic part of the instrument, the visual, the beauty, and the idea of, of... Playing completely without touching anything. That part was very fascinating to me. I also loved the sound of it. And apparently I showed some kind of immediate uh, ability to manipulate it, perhaps better than the usual person. Maybe my absolute pitch helped.
3: There's the undeniable visual of somebody moving their hands in the air. You know, there's just a fascination with the sci-fi aspect of it. What you're seeing is, like, kind of incredible. You know, you can come up with all of the explanations, why it works, the, you know, electromagnetic fields. But when you look at it and you're not thinking about it, you're just like, oh, look at that. Wow, that's really weird. It's a musical magic trick.
1: Okay, thank you to Rob Schwimmer and Clara Rockmore. Now let's go back to Guan.
0: Termin actually gave me a lot of inspiration because it's the instruments that first, there's contactless and second, you can do whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> this instrument, because there's no physical touch, I could actually wave my hand or even I can draw mm-hmm. graphically in the air in order to make the lines, the dots, the images into sound. So I've been using these instruments to integrate with dance because I feel like this instrument has so much freedom where your body could move like a dancer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometime, and some of the performance, I've been hanging the thermine upside down <laughs> where the dancer could also interact underneath. Mm-hmm. So they could make into a different gesture or posture or movements to interfere with the instruments, mm. translating from the movements into the sound.
1: You mentioned collaborations with dancers here, and that brings me to what I know is your very multidisciplinary approach to creating works, including how you approach storytelling. One example that comes to mind is your work, The Finding Series, a series of compositions inspired by travel and cycling. Can you tell us more about your approach to sound and storytelling?
0: Yeah, perhaps I have a different way of telling story or storytelling. Always we don't see ourselves as a story, but we always see other people as a story maker, Mm. But every one of us has our own story, has our own experiences. That's why three years ago, I started a project called Finding Series, to find the story about everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm so greedy sometimes. Uh, I think finding is like when you go to a place and you meet new people a new cultural impact, Mm -hmm. a new time zone. All this actually makes you fill up the story of yourself. Mm -hmm. So in this finding series, I'm using my bicycle to commute and travel around the local area. And start wondering, start to come up with questions, start appreciating these things that I'm seeing. But actually always I find it, I'm not trying to find anything, but I'm trying to find myself. (laughs) So the story is not just based on people and the environment. But it's also very interesting to have this spirit of finding something beyond that. Mm -hmm. Everything that appear in the particular time, especially the time of creation, It meant something. Mm -hmm. It seems like the story is there, it's just how you puzzle it and how you narrate to the audience.
1: Let's listen to a clip of a piece from the Finding series called Finding Takao, featuring sounds from Wu tsai the baby of Wu Xia-ming, who was a one-beat fellow the year after Guan. It was commissioned by the National Kaohsiung Center for the Arts in Taiwan. Another thing I love about your work, which to me is related to your approach to storytelling, is how you invite audiences to be music makers in several of your pieces. Mm-hmm. One example is the Mobile Phone Orchestra, a series of interactive works in which audiences can download, select and play sounds from their phones as part of the performance itself. Yeah. Can you tell me more about why you like to involve audiences in your pieces?
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of person when I listen to a concert or to a theater, when the show are so smooth, I start to fall asleep <laughs> uh, I don't know why it's because it's so peaceful maybe <laughs> but that's why I have this idea that during the performance the audience instead of putting their phones in the bags or pockets why not they take it out and join it and be part of the performance so it become like a conversation mm. I mean of course maybe the philosophy that I grew up with the yin-yang the tourism. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of how to balance between technology and the creativity.
1: And how have audiences reacted to that invitation to participate? Has it been challenging?
0: Yeah, actually to bring the audience to be part of the performance is very challenging. The first thing for sure is about the privacy. Because when you need them to open up even like just Bluetooth, people are quite reluctant to switch on the Bluetooth and connect with a stranger. People feel like really insecure. For me, it become that I could observe how people treating the technology nowadays. I mean, Tokada Studio, where I'm artistic director of the organization, we work with non-performers. is even more interesting because we involve people from different age groups, from 7 to 60 years old. And not everyone has the experience to be on stage. But once, when the show starts, when you see them on the stage, even for themselves, it was just so beautiful. I think this is a very nature human beings be on the stage and to express themselves during the performance.
3: So
1: I've always seen projects like the Mobile Phone Orchestra or other work that brings non-artists into art spaces as an attempt to democratize art making a bit, to invite people into that process. Uh But I'm hearing you say first and foremost that you just want to engage people who might not be engaged and that it's almost an experiment for you, an experiment of exchanging ideas, of not knowing what will happen, of reaching outside of the artist's mind to create new works Would you say that I'm describing that more accurately?
0: Yeah, true that perhaps I have this spirit of um, would like to connect things. I would like to see something will happen, but I don't know what is going to happen. I like to feel these um, improbable connections. I think perhaps these are all my curiosity about living in the earth and living as a human. (laughs) Perhaps that's what I would like to live it. Uh, when I'm no longer belong to this earth, you know, I would like to find possibilities and the connection between human and human, and also the human and nature, or even um, human and the animals, yeah.
2: 2015, when One Beat came to Seattle.
1: This is Santos Daniel, a film producer who is also a friend and collaborator of the One Beat program.
2: What I can't forget is the final performance. And that's because Guan performed one of his new pieces that night. And I remember it because it had this hypnotic, immobilizing effect on the audience. And Guan probably noticed that. So when there was a break in the performance, he invited everyone to come up and play with him. And when I say play, I mean that quite literally. And the theremin, of course, brings out this natural curiosity in people. It's not like a violin or a horn where the physical strings or keys suggest that there's some kind of rules or a sense of order by which it needs to be played. So all these people, when he asked them to come up and play, everyone moved like they were suddenly released from whatever rules they walked in with. One of those people was my mother, and she just kind of fell into the magic of it. And I think for everyone watching, you know, they see this dignified, elegant woman in society, waving her hands, making sound. And for as beautiful as that is in my memory and mind's eye, what I remember that night mostly for is because my father was watching my mother play with guan. I don't know how to describe my father except to say he's a very serious and strong and intense person. But as kids to us, he was also kind of like a court jester, an adventurer. Our dad, yes, but always laughing about something. But, you know, as he got older, that sense of playfulness he once had when we were younger kind of began to hide. It didn't disappear. It just kind of became hidden. And really that was because his health was changing his heart. And so we didn't see him as we once did. But When he saw Guan and my mother playing with the theremin, there was a moment. You know, he already had this affinity or attraction to Guan because he, my dad, grew up in Malaysia. So there was a cultural familiarity. And that kind of led itself to suddenly this old sense of adventure kicking in in my dad. And I could kind of see this in him because he just suddenly stepped up to the theremin when Guan was standing there. And I think Guan got it and Guan held his Guan <laughs> held his hand for a moment to guide it or get him started. And then my dad just kind of went with it. And I don't really remember what sounds he made because all that I can remember is that he was laughing. And at what I don't know, I remember Guan was laughing also. And then I started laughing because it all felt so unusual. Like I was watching my dad kind of traveling back in time to what he once was or who he once was. It was beautiful. And I haven't ever really forgotten that feeling and that night. Because a few months after that, my dad passed away. And you know, there were all these memories and elegies and eulogies from people who remembered him. And as I listened to him, as I listened to them, I just remember being so grateful for the fact that I got to see him as I remembered him, that playful person.
1: That was Santosh Daniel, recounting a magical moment he experienced with his parents, the theremin, and our guest today, Ng Chor Guan, during a performance in Seattle. The memory gives us a glimpse of what Guan's invitation to participate can do for people. But also for Santosh, Guan and his instrument brought something back from the past, defying time itself. And in fact, so much of Guan's work is about time, time traveling, and the future. One of his works, called Futurist Diaries, is part of a series of works called Project 2020, which premiered back in 2015 when 2020 was just a hopeful glimmer of the future. I asked Wanda to tell me why so much of his work is about time and the future.
0: Actually, not just about future, but it's also always related to the past. Because when time is not linear, it's like a wormhole that you could travel. Of course, time related so much to death, to me. Because of people that close to you are slowly like, for instance, my late mother, my late grandmother, I mean, slowly they, they left us and then I feel like um, something is missing. But then what if we could control the time or I could have a time machine? You could sit on the time machine and look back to all the things that you've been doing Like when you are sitting in the aircraft, looking out of the window, you see a beautiful landscape, and then sometimes it recalls some of the memory. But then when you are in the time machine, perhaps you see something more personal than landscape-like. Time can be very interesting if we don't think it as a linear line. Then you could be very creative. I think this is also maybe after I started to play the theremin physically that it makes me feel like everything is possible to look at it not only a one direction so there's so many multi-dimensional that you could look at things and also like from different angles when you look into a story And also time is always surrounding us, isn't it? Our heartbeat is pumping all the time. The bloody clock, even you're sleeping, you can hear it. (laughs) So our life is just about dealing with time. And as a musician, when you're playing with time, it's it's so cool, isn't it? I mean, we can play it on time, we can play off time, we can play things without sound to go against it.
1: talk of a time machine brings me to the question again of technology. You've expressed how technology is a tool for you, a tool to explore possibilities of interaction with other human beings, with the world, even possibly with time itself. Are you fundamentally optimistic about the role of technology in our lives?
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm very optimistic with technology. I mean, without the technology, we couldn't have so much of innovation right now but I think somehow it's about balancing how we balance the usage of the technology as well as what's the reason why you need the technology somehow I find it most of the time we don't even really need technology to be part of the artwork but if you are using uh, technology in the right way it could enhance and it could bring your works into a uh, different stages I would say
1: mm-hmm And as we all know, we've been incorporating technology and have all become more virtual in our everyday lives in a way we've never seen before. Does anything worry you about technology? And what do you think is missing from our current overwhelmingly virtual experience?
0: Of course, the biggest thing is that we can't touch each other. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as well as the, the smell of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the smell and the temperature actually. Mm-hmm. That's uh, actually, we have been feeling temperature so much in our capability, but we have been taking things from granted. We don't feel it so much because we depends on our visual, our eyesight so much, and we forget about the rest of the sensation. So uh, starting to worry about how if everyone spend most of the time in front of their computer, it could be really bad. We could slowly turn into the shape of how aliens looks like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that?
0: You know like with bigger eyes. Uh. With uh-huh. really small mouth and only like three fingers, because you don't need the rest of the fourth and the fifth fingers anymore <laughs> because I mean by looking at the technology nowadays, the mobile phone is one of the most uh, innovative stuff. Mm-hmm. you don't really need to use these two fingers. Is it? <laughs>
1: To switch gears a bit, you participated in One Beat in 2015. Mm -hmm. What first got you excited about taking part in a global music exchange?
0: Sometimes I think One Beat is like a dream to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, since young, I've been learning this phrase, like, music is universal. Mm -hmm. Indeed, we learn a lot of tunes. We get to know different languages. We get to know different parts of the world. But... To have all the musicians to live in one place is just like a dream, I would say it. It's like it never come true. I mean, how can you make this come true? Even though you travel from continents to continents, you only can meet a certain continent's people. But in one beat, you are like seeing everyone. You are sharing the most beautiful things. I enjoy the most when everyone is eating together. It's so much to share because also there's a different sensation that we have trained our tongue and our throat like to eat. So when you start to eat, it starts to trigger a different part of your brain and then you start to share different things. And then later on, when we go back to music making, something will pop up.
1: And you stayed in touch with the Tiga Trio, a group you formed with two other one-beat artists from Colombia and Indonesia. And you continue to do live online improvisations with them in virtual spaces. Can you tell me about the formation of that group and what that experience of virtual free improvisation has been like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, in 2015, three of us, um, Daniel Di Mendoza, Jay Afrisando, and myself, somehow spiritually we are blending to each other. We always feel like after a long day of making music, our spirit needs to belong to the ground. And we find it actually, it's not only three of us has this spirit. Actually, everyone has this spirit. So we were really upset when we were far apart. We thought we were not going to meet each other. But thankfully, thanks for the internet. Again, the technology, huh? it makes us become a virtual trio. But this is something interesting, we are not starting with a virtual, we are starting from a very, very grounded, and then we turn into virtual. I believe one day, three of us will be in one room physically, not virtually.
1: So as we begin to wrap up, I'd like to ask, what do you see as your ultimate goal when creating music or musical experiences?
0: I mean, I like to create works that not just question myself, but also to question people. And then to start a conversation from these artworks, digging out things that people never really look into it. I'm really afraid that people will lose the imagination one day because everything is so straightforward. I remember like when I was young, when teachers say something that I don't really know. For instance, like a certain words or certain phrase you don't understand, but you try to imagine what it is. But now, most people will just take their phone out of their pocket and they start to look for it. So we are so much in the information era where you can just simply look into anything. But we have been forgetting about our imagination. The beauty of the human is we have this ability to imagine and from the imagination we could make things even more beautiful no matter it's right or wrong but at least you enjoy the moment of imagination as well as you have space and time to talk to yourself talk to your own brain instead of using your three fingers (laughs) to control the devices, you know
1: So Guan, my final question for you, Hmm. what's inspiring you these days? What are you looking forward to?
0: I don't know. I just feel like I need a big party (laughs) to have everyone, all my friends that I know in my life, or maybe also the people that I'm going to meet in the future, to get along, Mm -hmm. just to have a big party. (laughs) The communal spaces, I miss it so much. I miss that we're making a circle and then there's a fire in the middle. Everyone is just sharing the, the moment, sharing the same heat, mm-hmm. sharing the same dream and the story. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I always think that maybe we could make something to negotiate with the coronavirus. We can make the virus dance and then we have a time that we could hang out and then they can have their time to hang out with their own gang, you know. <laughs> I mean, this is just just silly but I think that's that's what I miss the most and I, I hope this will happen
1: mm-hmm. thank you so so much Guan. it's been a pleasure we could talk for hours and I hope we continue this conversation <laughs> one day
0: mm-hmm. thanks Alina was great
1: thanks so much for listening this episode was produced and edited by me Elena Moon Park and Charlotte Gartenberg with essential help from Yokabi Karaoke Jeremy Thal and Kyla Rose Smith it was mixed by Zubin Hensler Thank you also to Rob Schwimmer and Santosh Daniel for their contributions. All the music you have heard was composed and produced by Yung Chor Guan, plus a live improvisation from the Tiga Trio. The episode also featured clips of Clara Rockmore playing the theremin, Leon Theremin playing the theremin, and a clip from the Ultraman, Thundercats, and Transformers cartoon series. Visit our website for a full playlist at ww.1beat.org. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll visit Accra, Ghana, and talk to spoken word artist Poetra Asantewa. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, and rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us at One Beat Music. That's the number one B-E-A-T music. The views and opinions expressed by our guests on this podcast are their own, and not necessarily those of the ECA, Bang on a Can, Bound Sound Nation, or any of its employees. One Beat is an initiative of the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs in collaboration with Bang on a Can's Found Sound Nation.